And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to a quarantined edition of the uh, Warriors All-82 podcast. I'm actually enjoying myself. This is a nice podcast setup. I got a little NCAA tournament on in the background. Aveline Christian against uh, Texas. It's a good game right now, second half. Um, and I have Marcus Thompson. Abilene Christian. I got some homies who went to Abilene Christian, believe it or not. And they just My flashed up a stat. Yeah, it's, that's uh, random. This is a Texas battle. Um, they have the best turnover margin in the nation. I just saw that stat. They're taking Texas to the limit. But we should talk Warriors. Um, 2-1 road trip, which if you really lay out the circumstances, like it's a good road trip, <laughs> weirdly. Um you know, Steph misses two of the games. Uh, Wiseman and Pascal are back in the Bay Area in quarantine, miss all three of the games. Looney um, is only going to miss one game, but missed tonight's game after he really played his best game of the season the night before. So that's four main rotation players, including, you know, your best player. And they were two minutes from sweeping the road trip 3-0. I mean, it's a bad Houston team. They took care of business. It's really a struggling Memphis team that looked, kind of bad the last couple nights to be honest with you um but I, you know because you lose the last game and the way the warriors did lose this game marcus you, you're kind of leaving with the sour taste in your mouth even if you zoom out and go two and one solid yeah it's yeah two and one is solid traditionally right but this is one of those games where you're almost rather they got blown out right just because then you're like yeah two one but what what this also was is another game they had a chance to win and didn't execute down the stretch, right? It is another win that was in their grasp that they let go of. And as they start racking up these games and start, you know, eyeing that sixth seed, it's just going to come back to hurt them. This was a game they should have won. It was right there. Memphis did all they could to give it to them. And they, they didn't have enough but they should have had enough. So that's the part that I think they're they're going to be frustrated with. And Steve seemed a little bit testy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like yeah, He yeah. was unhappy. <laughs> he was. I mean, because he's kind of railed against some of these late game, I don't know, collapses, whatever you want to call them. What would you, how would you like uh, rank their worst, most gut-wrenching losses of the season? Charlotte's like, got to be number one. Charlotte's right? one. I mean, like to me, that's, that's, that's their worst regular season lost in a few years really i mean in the Kerr era huh? <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> probably because yeah. half of those regular seasons were just, they were just coasting um beyond that i mean like we, portland i thought was really bad they're all road ones by the way if we think about it san antonio orlando, orlando yeah, san antonio 13 point lead i mean it's all road can you remember a home i can't like home it just seems like they either get blown out or they win yeah and you know, if you flip side it, they, they've had a couple kind of stunning comeback wins where the other team would say the same thing. Like Miami, remember the way they came back and took Miami to OT and beat them. Like, so they have a 
typically those kind they're of probably dogs, minus three though right yeah like if you were to right. add up the, the the games they blew and the games they stole they're still in the hole i think i agree it reminds me a little of dallas last year where like you know point differential told a different story than like they were really bad in the clutch now what the weird thing about the warriors is we could also their point differential speaks to a worse team than they are because of how many times they've got blown out i think they've gotten beat yeah. by 20 plus like eight times but yeah i mean to be honest, look they're 22 and 21 if a few games broke correctly for them what are they right now 25 and you know 18 something like that which feels a lot different and you know you know what also is 25 and 18 <laughs> probably in that in position for that five or six seed where they want to be so, I mean, that's the difference right now. They're literally, they lost tonight, so now they're four games back of the five seed. And if you want to get greedy, they're four and a half games back of the four seed. Like, obviously, that's a little, that's out of reach just from a talent perspective. But, I mean, that, if, you're, if you end up plus two in those games, like it just make a difference. I mean, forget the six seed and the five seed. This could be the difference between the seventh seed and the nine, right? Having to win two playing games as opposed to to one. Like you know, it's that type of. Uh, it's it's it just matters. It, it just matters. Uh, the problem is, I, I kind of think they just need to learn these lessons. I think the coaching staff even needs to learn these lessons. Season. Yeah. No, nah, yeah. I mean, they got to go through it, and then hopefully next season they're better for it. I think the coaching staff is having a hard time remembering that this is a team that needs a very hands-on approach, right? <laughs> I think, you know, Steve Kerr. Talking and about the timeout. So, that, that yeah, Kerr they're just so used to players on the floor who are so smart and know what to do that having to micromanage every moment, they just is losing them. Like, Steve, you should have called the timeout, and they already been through this. And... You know, maybe you even need to say we're not now is not the time for Wiggins to be bringing up the ball. You know, late game situations, the surest ball handler, the best decision maker brings up the ball, kind of like the inbounds. Right. And you or you ordinarily think, hey, yeah, go Wiggins. But, you know, this is what happens when it's Wiggins. (laughs) Right. And not your point guard. Not your playmaker tonight. Well, I mean, like first, you know, Steph is not playing and pool is you know we're gonna get to jordan pool's run of games now but he's not your guy that you're just like hand it to it deal with pressure Mannion is probably the I best mean, he don't turn the ball set. over <laughs> right now Easy. he doesn't right yeah well, i mean but he's being smart and safe and like making safe passes i'm just like you don't necessarily want him going against pressure right yeah draymond is what? kind of their point guard right now but he's I'd also not yeah, that'd be my choice. Just because the guard ain't going him pressure with a, him. What? Yeah, what if you jump him with a point guard? I mean, he'll probably turn his back to to it a little. I mean, I mean generally you want the ball in a sense, but I mean this is a this is a problem with Wiggins, right? You you sh- you should feel comfortable with your thirty one million dollar wing. Now, oh, now I'm I'm turning into you, but you should feel comfortable <laughs> with him handling it a bit more than uh you know you shouldn't be concerned that he's gonna you know panic in a trap and and throw a pick six to Grayson Allen like you know that was a that was like a last 
you know, a retiring Jay Cutler out route, just float it over there to to the cornerback that's <laughs> look like CJ Beathard. <laughs> oh no, yeah, there you go. There's a, there's a look for. Oh, Nick Mullins more than Beathard. Oh yeah, no, probably you're right. My bad, my bad. It's actually Nick Mullins. Beathard Beathard was the one who came in for him. Uh, yeah, I mean. Is there anything about how Wiggins is played that makes you think he's your decision maker down the stretch? No, and he's sloppy with the ball. He has a loose hand. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I understand, like you said, there's no Steph. So, like, (laughs) this is not a situation where you have the easy answer. But when the games get tight, they're not they're not just going in tempo. They're slowing the ball down. They got they got the loose ball, and it's like, all right, let's get the ball into the hands of the people who can handle it. So. And yeah, Steve is thinking wigs go like you know you just dropped forty last game. You probably got the advantage, but it's just this team. You just have to be on top of every single little thing because they just probably won't know. That means calling timeouts, right? Like and and maybe you get one of those stops and you call a timeout just to kind of get a, an offensive set instead of letting them go. Uh, it was just I just think they're having a, a difficult time grasping the fact that these aren't, you know, this is not the team that you've had (laughs) and they don't always know what to do in every situation. And the moment can get the best of them and you kind of got to micromanage them. So all this stuff should help them in the future. It's, it's the, it's the tough lessons that teams got to go through. This is just a a whole new team. Yeah. It's part of like anti Kerr's approach, right? I mean, he's not a micromanager of a coach. He's certainly, you know, imagine throwing it. It's funny because I was mentioning watching the NCAA tournament. You see the way these college coaches overcoach everything, right? They want to call everything. They're on the court. They're yelling about everything. There was, I saw one coach, there was like 10 seconds left and his team's up 10 and, you know, the game's over. You should be over there like celebrating. You've made it to the next round. Like, you know, have a beer, chill out. And he was like still like in his player's face about like a mistake or something. It's just like, you know, and that's just not Kerr. And, and what you're saying is correct. I mean, part of the stuff he's learning this year, this season is, you know, it's not Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston with the ball over there. Even when it's thrown to the big men in past years, like you're comfortable with them against pressure. Uh, you don't have that anymore. Do you, other stuff from the game tonight, I mean, like the Allen Smiley Geach start. This will forever be known. Eight minutes, so, five right, out. Is this, is this it? Or is this done now? Did, did, was that his one shot? And, you know, he had too much vomit on his sweater, too much spaghetti. Because he, he kind of, he, I don't think he was ready for his one shot. Funny thing is he won the opening tip over Valanciunas and then buried then the top of the three. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, he's saving his roster spot there. But it was just, it started decently i guess you know who's killing them though you know who, who's making this really tough on him jordan Poole, nico man <laughs> and Juan Toscano anderson like other guys who've had just as much time as him other guys who've uh you know probably less got time and less Ma- run yeah i was about younger. to say in Manion's younger. case yeah i mean they've gotten the same opportunities they went down to the g league that you can put them on the court and they can play they can stay on the court like that's I, I mean, they're watching how it's supposed to go. Like, you're looking at Jordan Poole. You're looking at Juan Toscano Anderson, Nico. Like, these guys go to the G League. They come back. They get better. Uh, wasn't Smiley G playing with Damian Lee in the, 
in the G League, like for some reason, it's not enough for him. Like to me, he like he's not necessarily comparable to like JTA and Damian Lee because we're talking about like 26, 27 year olds in that case. But this, I mean, Mannion is a good example of. They're both on two ways, right? The two two way contracts yep. are smiling each. Mannion, Mannion's younger. You know, he was born, I think, maybe like six months after, or uh, yeah, six months after, and he is. A later pick in the draft, you know. Smiley Geach was picked 39th two drafts ago. Mannion was what 48th of this last draft. Yeah, and he, yeah. and he's already. I mean, he's already cracked the rotation. Now I'm not. We could discuss if he should be in the rotation, but he's clearly more survivable play. on an NBA yeah. court. You could put you him know? on the court. Yeah, and it's going in a good direction for him. Where Smiley Geach is like, I'm not sure I've seen progress. No, I know how difficult this must have been. F- the, for his situation with you know coronavirus shutting down his you know what would have been an important summer for him and then he gets a meniscus tear that you know kind of derailed his second season but to be honest we all know he's not close i mean he's just not close to being a rotation player maybe in a few years he is but he just can't have a roster spot next year like that's pretty known and at this point if you know that I mean, what are you doing? Almost no, yeah. no, no point in him having a roster spot now. If they open competition, who could he beat out on this team? Not only that, I mean, you could probably go handpick eight guys in the G League right now who you know can make more sense as projects at this point, considering what he's proven. And then the other thing, I put it in the article I wrote, but Damian Jones, <laughs> you can. I mean, they could use him more. Like Damian Jones would oh, help him more as yes. a starter tonight against Jonas Valanciunas. Um, but also with Smiley Geach, like if they cut him or, you know, he could be added to a trade. Remember, like it, it makes sense to get through the deadline and see where your roster is. You know, I mean, this is a big roster shuffling week coming up. I just don't think he's going to survive the next few weeks. But even if he gets cut, let's say he's not getting scooped up. Like nobody's claiming him. Number one, bring him right back. Right. Can't, you can just bring put him, him right in Santa back? Cruz. He could be on yeah, Santa, the Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz Warriors yeah, next no season. Yeah, just keep him in the no program. Question. I assume he's probably comfortable doing that. So anyway, yeah, to, to answer your question, yeah, this is probably it. Why? Why yeah. did he start? Would be you know you could have started JTA gone small. I mean, you know why though? You know why though? Steve just, just doesn't want to do small all game. He wants he wants bodies. He wants size. It's just who he is. He'll turn to small, right? But he just wants to give you some minutes. And I actually think he was kind of justified tonight i mean you had to anticipate valentina saying yo like give me the rock right and maybe if you start jta or draymond on him maybe he doesn't get going but you you could see clearly that that was going to be their approach clearly so at some point you were just going to need somebody who could just be behind this guy so i don't mind him getting the try did, did it have to be starting could have been a sure but he he was just he was just gonna need some minutes from somebody and fouls and he should have spaced them jokers out man he yeah he he's got a little bit of that just i mean i i mean i don't li- i like his skill set i don't like the way his face looks on the court i don't like how he looks confused Right, he he just doesn't inspire. Like, dude, do you know where you're supposed to be? <laughs> I mean, you've been in the office for two years, and you still don't know where to go. But he also looks like he doesn't know where to go. Uh, and I don't know well, that, how that's good language that is. barrier. Yeah, and that's you know, ba- you know, this guy. We talk about basketball infants. Like the guy has not played much basketball. 
nah. in his life, and he certainly hasn't played much like around you know talent like this and in systems and schemes that are this advanced. And remember when when you know James Wiseman or Nico Mannion are hearing these schemes presented in a meeting like that's the first language they're hearing it in smiley geach like he he's learning english but i i gotta imagine that like adds to yeah, it's gotta be what tough. you're talking about i mean it's just but here, here, here's my question though uh and i i don't know i've ne- i just never hear anybody saying it but we hear jta tonight say that jordan Poole works harder than him right uh have you heard anything about the i mean it feels like in, in his situation he should be right there with jordan Poole. is that the case we're talking about in, yeah is he putting in is he putting in that amount of work you could look at jta shot and tell he's been putting in the work right like so you just don't hear you just I don't hear people raving about how hard he's working. And maybe, I, I don't know the reasons for that. Maybe he is working hard. They're just not saying it. But I, I know if you're in his situation, I'd, I'd want to see him showing up <laughs> as much as Jordan Poole did in the summer, right? Or, you know, at least be on the court. I don't know that he's not, but you just never hear people talking about it. Yeah. The two things, when you, when you reach out to people in the organization, you're saying something like, you know, this could be it for Smiley Geach or, you know, you guys yeah. need his roster spot. This is where it's going. The two refrains you'll hear, like, there's, there generally seems to be a sense of, like, yeah, you know, the the clock is ticking. It is very close to being over. But but they will usually qualify it with, you know, they'll, they'll mention the coronavirus summer was tough. And it was tough for Poole. It's tough for all these guys. Anybody in the league that was trying to develop didn't get a summer league, couldn't really be in the gym for, what, four or five months at a time. And then the other thing they say is, like, the meniscus tear really did set him back where, you know, he was, like, on a minutes restriction in the Orlando bubble. Yeah. He was worse in the G League this year on this, like, 20-minute yeah, minute restriction than the previous season. He was, like, actually, like, near 20 a game, I think, at Yeah, times. no, he was nice. Yeah, he was getting buckets. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and he's in a bad situation. I mean, that's just the bottom line. He's in a team that just can't wait for him, uh, and that that's tough for him, right? Like, I mean, I think if we're if we're being really honest, like he just he shouldn't have been drafted. He he can maybe eventually become an NBA player, but he just was he's just far away, and he, I mean, if you he he the the longer you let's say they kept him on the roster next year the season after i think he's at least probably two to three years away from and that's only if he develops into one but he's that far away from even potentially being in anybody's nba rotation and that means you were from the time he got drafted you were gonna wait like four or five years like he just can't really do that in the nba he just he needs more g league time and the truth is like his career's not over he's only 20 he can go down like i yeah, said nah, like he'd maybe he'll fine. play in santa cruz for two years and maybe he does develop i don't we've he'll probably go some worlds in ball and they'll be like people will be like hey man how come they couldn't develop smiley <laughs> if you do he'll turn into the next chris boucher <laughs> and you'll be like, ah, they should have kept her. I know, right? You so real quick. I know we spent a lot of time on uh, Smalajich, but do you see any signs of that he could have like a pretty sudden like rise or so to speak, right? Where it could come together like it did for Jordan Poole, right? Give him a year, and right? Are you seeing like you you know how we could see something, a path for Jordan Poole, and he's kind of. You know, exceeded that, but you could see the elements. Is there anything in Smilajich that you could see where, if they do stick with him, and the work is put in, 
he could end up being a, su- a surprising revelation. Look, you saw tonight the way Valashunas sagged off him, and obviously the first possession he hits the three. And then he, he, I think he shot three more threes over his eight minutes. He missed all three. And at this point, the problem is he seems like he could be a stretch five, but he's not an accurate enough three-point shooter. Now, if we're talking development, that's, to me, development number one is suddenly if he's 38, I feel like he's got to be like 37% from three or something like that, like super dangerous from deep. Then he's kind of can be somewhat of an intriguing stretch big. He's clearly confident enough to take the three, and he has you know, the range in his mind out there, but he's just not, like I said, he's not accurate enough there yet. And just like Jordan Poole wasn't, right? I mean, look at Jordan Poole's percentages last year. Now nah, suddenly, there, Jordan uh, Poole feels like a 41% three-point shooter right now, you know, the way he's shooting it. So I don't think that's coming that quickly for Smiley Geach, but, you know, and there is some random burst athleticism the way he goes for dunks and the confidence, but do, I mean, to answer your question, no, I, I don't see it in the next year i don't see it in the next couple years and even if it comes down the line maybe it's with like i said maybe it's within the warriors g league program but he just he can't really take up a roster spot at this point yeah i'm with you i'm with you if he was a better rebounder i'd be with it but yeah he doesn't do enough of like the smaller stuff the screens he doesn't take charge he's you know ideally you'd want him to be like an urson Ilyasova, right like a like a stretch big who does some smart things within the game i think Ursan Elias over for like a few years, like led the league and charges taken. Like he's not necessarily a good defender, but he has a defensive strategy out there. Smiley Keach doesn't have a defensive strategy. You see him get crossed up, I think, by Kyle Anderson tonight. It's it, it, he's just lost a little bit defensively. Yeah. Now we're just piling on though. That's um, a lot. That's a lot on Smiley Keach. Yeah, it is. It's all uh, good though. All right, Jordan Poole. To me, he's he's really the takeaway of the road trip in general because we're, we're talking about this season really in big picture form, right? Like, to be honest, a 2-1 road trip, a 22-21 and 21 record instead of a 23-20 and 20 record doesn't matter nearly as much as this nah, idea that they may have facts. found a six-man. Absolutely. They, you know, they found a bench 1,000% on it, Slater. Like, this is why 2-1 is straight. Like, they really just found a six-man. <laughs> like, this dude... Like he's, you see how they're running high pick and roll with Draymond. He's snaking off screens, and in three straight possessions, one he gets to the hole, finishes over Valanciunas, jumps into his body, floats in the lefty. You know, probably could have got the foul, whatever. Next time down, he snakes around it, pulls up suddenly and hits the three. The next time down, does it again, takes the mid range from about seventeen feet. Uh, looked like it was in, but it came off back rim, but. They ran the same play, and he got three different shots out of it. And it's like, yo, every day got three levels. He just did it all in the same play. It was, it's like this dude is a playmaker. Like he, he has become somebody that they could just say, hey, like you're the sixth man, dude. I mean, don't you feel better about? Any prospects they might have of moving like Oubre if you got Jordan as your sixth man? I like Oubre as a sixth man next year, especially with his defensive abilities. But I don't mind Jordan Poole getting those shots. And I don't I don't think he's as good defensively or rebounding. But if now if you got Oubre and Poole in that second unit, like you just saw a Jordan Poole 
play in an NBA game against us, you know, mediocre team, mediocre to bad team for sure. But you just see him doing things that translates to how the Warriors play and that they desperately need when they're fully healthy. Like there's like like you asked you asked Steve like yo, uh, this dude's in a rotation now, right? <laughs> He's like yes. You know, there's no more needs to be I really, said. Like, because didn't even add, I was like, kind of like six man, essentially. I even mentioned the term six man to him. I'm like, you know, because my thing is, previously, before Steph gets injured, he wasn't putting pool in at all in the first or nah. third quarters. He was just nah. like, first time you saw him was start of the second quarter. First time you saw him in the second half was start of the fourth quarter. And like th- six men, like potent bench scores like that, you don't not see them for an entire you know, quarter. He so, was in that like Molder Damian Lee mix, right? Remember, he's just like kind of whichever one he was feeling at the time. <laughs> like that's where he used to be. So, but nah, he needs to be in the. Okay, uh, at what point is that? You like you like is it eight minute mark? Is it six minute mark? But Jordan Poole needs to get in this game. Like he's he's. Would you put him higher than Pascal? Yes. At this point, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. You got to start in Six five. Man. He's like, there's nobody Most you're putting in player. a conversation. No question. Like, it's insane. Particularly if Wiseman becomes a starting center, which he will at some point. You know, I don't know if that's two games away. I don't know if that's three weeks away. I don't know if that's next season. But as we map out who this team is forming into, Jordan Poole is a sixth man, seventh man, eighth man. What You know, he's, he's a bench player who gets between 20 and minutes, 30 yeah. minutes. Between mm-hmm. 20 and 30 minutes. And if he's cold, you pull him, and he will have cold stretches. Now we got to remember we're talking in a really hot seven game stretch. He what he's been the last seven games is not who he always is. Like this is a just a really hot stretch for you know Lou Williams has seven game ridiculous stretches. Now Lou Williams also has seven game really cold stretches. So Poole will have that. But I mean, I mean he's ten for twenty one tonight. That wasn't that's not hot, but. <laughs> He still got you 26. You know I mean, it's still 26 points on 21 shots. 21 shots, yeah. That's pretty good. Also, you know what else? 18 assists and only two turnovers since he returned from the bubble. Yeah, he's a, he's a playmaker, man. He is a playmaker. That's part of the reason why I want to see him get more minutes at point because I think he's a guy you could bring in. You know how you know how they like to – they used to do with Iguodala – he started doing it with Wanamaker a little bit lately, but they like to bring in a point guard and put move Steph off the ball and kind of pick up the pace, go small, pick up the pace. But it's just better when that guy who's running point is a threat. It literally helps when you got to guard that guy. I think he could fit that role where it's like, all right, point Jordan, and you're working action against Steph, and he can actually take that guy or he can make a play out of it. So I understand the concerns about him being a facilitator, but yo, work that out right now. What you doing? <laughs> Give him some minutes at point, and then next year you bring him in, you move a Steph, you know. So if Draymond comes out at that six minute part mark, and you bring in, you know, some guys in. Lately, it's been like okay, bring in a shooter. But if you let Jordan run point right there, and now the the defense has to guard him, which creates space behind the, you know in the paint so now you got all this movement you don't have a guy just sagging off because that's what they do with Draymond right they just sag off and kind of get in the mix I think he could fit that role I I do think he can he just needs he just needs reps at it yeah for sure two days off coming up Sixers in chase on Tuesday no Wiseman no Pascal still I expect Looney to be back for that game 
then another day off, and then I believe it's at Sacramento home against Atlanta, a hot Hawks team who are 8-0, by the way, with Nate McMillan as their coach, including they won today in a game that LeBron James had like a pretty bad high ankle sprain. Did you see that play? Yeah, yeah. Did you hear him yell? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Staples. Yeah, that was yeah, wild. No, not good. I knew um, it was bad when he knocked that chair over on his way off. I was like, that he knows it ain't good. And there's nobody who knows their pain. body better than LeBron, right? So he probably felt how high it was and was like, dang it, this is weeks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, they have a – it's it's – I don't want to call it a soft schedule coming up, but here, just let me read. Sixers without Embiid, by the way. Sacramento, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, Toronto, Atlanta again, Milwaukee, Washington, Houston. I mean, that's seven and three doesn't seem unreasonable. Um, Now you need to play well. I think they have it with the way Poole is playing. And again, you know, we're talking longer term, like bench piece, six man. Like right now, he helps you a bunch. He's already helping. He's injected offensive life. Now, you, if you get Curry back and maybe he maybe he looks a little bit fresher uh, with, with five, six days straight off. If you get Wiseman and you kind of, you know, try to use his offensive boost better. And I would like to see a, a stretch. Wiseman needs to get a rhythm, right? How choppy has his last month and a half felt if he can just get like maybe six games in a row where he's seeing you know pictures on the court for for you know two weeks in a row because if you can start to uh you know shave off how he's affecting you defensively suddenly you can off you get an offensive boost there too with a somewhat soft stretch of schedule like you know i i think they have a chance coming up to me this feels like their last chance to gain traction this season if they can't gain traction over the next 10 15 like it is just a lost season yeah my my biggest question is will they have Steph for it i think that's going to be a pretty big factor because of this tailbone issue or no yeah yeah i mean will he be back for philly like to start with right um when's the next game after philly thursday at Sacramento, I mean that that will yeah, have so been they, eh, like a that week. should be fine. They should be fine. I was wondering yeah, about that, that Kings game, but that's 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 a week. That's a little bit over a week actually. So yeah, yeah he should they, be fine. I think the fact that they won the first Memphis game, you know, they they listed him as doubtful both nights, which you know, if he was really just not close, they would have just list, listed him as out. Like he was pushing to try to play in the first but then steve sounded Curry, was, like yeah steve sounded like though he wasn't even considering them for the second game well, you think, think that part was because of that was they steve won said that after they just won and like yeah. they're not gonna come out and admit that because like medically you're supposed to make the decision regardless right but i mean when they won that game i was thinking yeah you shouldn't play steve. look at you shouting out uh sneaky steve huh you think steve got an agenda <laughs> He's like, well, nah, man, I know what you do. Right? In fact, I like how you called it out. Um, yeah, Philly, I think Philly would be tough, but it's at home, and if Steph is playing, they should be all right. After that, though, they they got to go on a nice little run there. You know, if they come out of – if they go on the next road trip, and we're not counting Sacramento as a road trip, I guess, but if they go on that next three-gamer, like at what, 25 wins – you know, I think they'd be doing. I think that they're set up pretty well. They've just got to so make. So they're twenty-two hay. and twenty-one. What will they be when they get their thirtieth win? To me, like I don't know. For some reason, that's just where, where I'm twenty-two at. and twenty-one. I, hmm, let's see, like, can I'm they get to thirty and twenty-five? So that would mean they're eight and four over the next twelve. Like thirty and twenty-five, you're starting to separate. You know, you're separating from this just average five hundred, just abyss they've been in. The entire season. 
like if they can get to 30 with only being at 25 losses that will that to me will signal a little bit of separation from from what they'd been so they got to get to 30 by April 14th at Oklahoma City that's the 55th game so if they got 30 their wins, end of their schedule is is weak they have six straight at home. They they have three games against Oklahoma City, who's in full tank mode. They're trading off pieces to you know basically to try to lose games at <laughs> yes, this point. Yes, you have yeah. Houston still twice. They play Houston two times again, and you saw that Houston team. Oh man, yes, um, that was pretty. Bad. You know Memphis, who we saw tonight, they didn't look that good. That's the last game of the regular season. There's a lot of Washington twice in there. I mean, let's look at it. Like Philly, I'm gonna but go ahead and get out of. Right so you got Sac, Atlanta, Chicago, and, and Philly, those four games. How many do you give them right there? They got to get three of those, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, are they going to? I would guess two and two because I'd guess two and two about just about everything. Right, just about, it's, it's, fair, it's fair to guess two and two with these guys. So that's 24 wins, right? Uh, Miami, Toronto, at Hawks on the road, that three-game road trip. That's not like – Toronto's not in like a old. bad place right now. They might be in a better rhythm by the time they get down to Tampa, by the way. You giving them but. two? You giving them two? That would be mm. big. If they got two on that road trip, that would yeah. be big, I think. So that, that puts them, you know, at 26, right? Home against the Wizards, 27. Home against the Rockets, 28. Uh, so they go to Oklahoma City, presuming they, you know, win, beat the Tank and Thunder. That's 29 and 24 uh, at that point. So Okay, then they're at Cleveland. That's one Then they're at Cleveland. So that could be 30. That could be 30. You know what I'm saying? Like, they could be. They might be. Yeah, I could see. I'm sorry, that's 29 and uh. 26 so yeah 30 and 26 if they beat cleveland is that enough yeah I, I i think they can do that i think that's doable i think i just mapped out a pretty realistic plan although i don't know about that two on that road trip though so no we gave them yeah. one we gave them one so if they get two on that road trip somehow if they can get toronto and atlanta uh that that will help they they do have to take advantage of these games they they just simply do, and the schedule's kind of setting up for them. They gotta they gotta stay out of health and safety protocols for a little bit, though. That's definitely what they gotta do. Agreed, and that will include vaccinations at some point. Marcus, I appreciate you coming on and and doing that uh, math equation at the end. <laughs> Solid. That's hilarious. I think, we'll, I think we'll be doing a Warriors plus minus podcast next. We'll probably be the next one on the on the feed. So we will talk to you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 